it's the show where I interview leaders who have implemented design thinking in HR. That is normally. Um, today, I'm going to record a special episode for you. Um, last month, we just um, marked the 10 interview milestone. Yay! So um, I had 10 wonderful people um, that were so gracious to share their stories with me. So I thought it was a good time to um, for a little uh, break and to maybe pull out some useful things in a special episode. And um, the thing I probably get asked most is uh, resources and hacks uh, around design thinking in HR. So, and that accidentally is a question that I ask all of my guests. So what I did is, in, or what I'm going to do in this episode, I'm going to pull out um, resources and hacks from my guests. And uh, so it's going to actually be um, four resources and six hacks in total. And I also, I want to dedicate this episode to all of you HR heroes out there who are currently doing your best and your hardest in this crisis. Uh, I have but the greatest respect and empathy for you. And my hope is maybe that this episode will bring you a little bit of inspiration. Um, maybe even that you might apply some of these design thinking or use some of these design thinking resources and hacks to apply them to the current challenge. What I will do is I will annotate each of the resources and hacks with my own perspective, thoughts and best practice, and also how they might get applied to a re remote work, uh, work environment, as well as how you might uh, use them to help solve some of the challenges that we're facing today. Okay, so um, buckle up and join me on this journey. Okay, as I said, I'm going to start with the resources because um, I'm thinking some of you might be very new to design thinking uh, and you might want to read up first a little bit before you go into the hex and experiment with some of the techniques. So I'm going to start with the resources. So the first resource comes from the interview with Christina Chateauvert and Christina recommends the book Innovation by Design. And don't worry, by the way, all the links and so forth will be in the blog post as well. So Innovation by Design, she likes it um, because it provides a framework on how to scale innovation using design thinking. And, um, and so I took a peek at the book as well. Uh, I hadn't, thanks, Christina, this was new to me as well. So I um, used this time to catch up on some of my reading. Uh, like many of you might want to do as well. And what I like about this book is A, the research approach that these, um, these guys took, Thomas Lockwood and Edgar Papke, um, in that they, uh, they studied organizations that effectively have implemented and sustained design thinking to drive innovation and build a culture around it. And um, the organizations they've picked are not your usual suspects that you see in every research, um, but they actually studied about 20 organizations across industries, across sizes, um, but really just what united them or why they picked them was uh, the ways they were able to sustain 
innovation through design thinking. So I did like the research approach. And then, um, so what they came up with through their interviews is 10 attributes of design thinking innovators. So um, if you go through, even if you just read those 10 attributes, I think it will give you a good sort of um, maybe a maturity assessment of your own organization. Because this is the other question I usually get asked is how do you, you know, running a workshop is not right sufficient obviously to build a culture around it um so the first step is assessing where you are currently in your current culture how open might your current culture be to embracing design thinking so i think you can use these 10 attributes as a starting point to get a sense for where you're at and where you you know kind of do a swot analysis right where you're strong where you're weak and you know assess um you know, how you might need to introduce design thinking so it actually sticks in your organization. So this is resource number one. Thanks, Christina. Resource number two comes from my interview with Laura Weingartner. And uh, Laura's favorite resource is uh, the Atlassian Team Place. Um, these are free resources provided by Atlassian, the company. And there are, in essence, how-tos, you know, how to facilitate certain design, design thinking activities. For example, empathy workshops, journey mapping. And Laura likes them because they're easy to use. Um, so thanks, Laura, for that tip. Um, and those are great starting points. I think especially if you're new, they're very high level. Obviously, they're free. Um, Another resource, if you're maybe a little bit more advanced or want to dig a little deeper into more details and how-tos, um, is this book. You can already see it's very dense. <laughs> it's called This is Service Design Doing. And it's got um, literally probably all the um, approaches, methods that you can imagine that apply to service design, which that is what we do in HR, right? We design a service, we design an experience versus a product design approach, right? So some of the methods uh, differ slightly. So um, this is a little bit more complex, maybe a little bit more advanced, um, maybe a little bit more than you need in the beginning. But this is for those of you analytics or you know people who really want to dig a little bit deeper as a build on um, what Laura said. And um, also now that I'm thinking about um, these plays, many of these plays and also many of the methods here um, can be applied to a virtual environment. So, um, and we'll talk a little bit uh, in a minute around other virtual tools. All right, so thanks, Laura, for that resource. Let's see, what do we have next? So, um, good segue, Nicole. <laughs> Talking to myself here. Um, so the third resource comes actually from Kelly Koshman. Uh, Kelly is a uh, head of talent at Sita City. And um, Kelly's favorite resource um, is Miro, 
and she uses Miro for virtual HR hackathon. So Miro is a um, online design thinking collaboration tool. Think post-its on a virtual whiteboard, okay? And so Kelly has been running live HR hackathons as we have with our HR Hackathon Alliance. That's where she picked up um, the method and applied it in her organization. Yay, Kelly. Um, and has actually run it with her entire team multiple times now around the topic of diversity. But she's had, or she has remote employees. So actually one of the breakout groups, they put together all the remote employees. And instead of doing the physical, you know, posted in the room ideation and poster drawing, that group um, congregated on Miro and created a virtual um, ideation board and concept poster there. So, and, and they started doing this before everything that we're experiencing right now is happening. So uh, this is a great way or a great time to experiment with some of these virtual design thinking tools. So Miro, M-I-R-O is one. Um, they have a free version. They also have, you can upgrade to paid versions. Uh, another one is called Mural, M-U-R-A-L. And another one that I've used is called Stormboard. So they're all slightly different. They all have slightly, um, I think they all have a free some sort of free entry-level version. I think Miro has probably the most comprehensive free version. Um, and then you pay um, depending on number of users and, and that varies. Uh, Mural has probably the most complex mm, capability in terms of the templates you can use and um, integration and so forth. So it's, you just have to decide what's right for you. Um, as I said, most of them have, uh, even if they're not free, trial versions. So I encourage you to um, maybe check them all out, um, use a free trial this, today. Now is a good time to use these tools to help in your design thinking, um, in your design thinking process. So thank you, Kelly, for that resource. And our last resource, resource number four, comes from my interview with Katharina Krenz at Bosch. And her uh, resource is the book and the website. There's a website as well called Working Out Loud um, by John Stepper. And um, Katharina Krenz uses the Working Out Loud, me Loud method at Bosch, but she's also sort of become an ambassador of the method throughout Germany, which is kind of cool. So I was very excited to talk to Katharina Krenz. Um, and so the Working Out Loud, we actually use some of the methods from the book in our career design um, training, um, giving employees um, design thinking tools for their career development. Um, and so what is Working Out Loud? So uh, the definition in the book is from John Stepper. Uh, think Dale Carnegie meets the internet. As you work out loud, you leverage principles for building meaningful relationships as well as ways to share your work, get feedback, and interact with others who share your interests. Importantly, you wrap all of this in a mindset of generosity. And the five pillars or elements of working out loud, according to John Stapper, are purposeful discovery, relationships, 
generosity, visible work, and a growth mindset. So when I first was exposed to the method, I immediately saw the connection to design thinking, right? Working out loud, connecting with others. Um, so, uh, and then the, an extension of the method actually is to form working out loud circles. Those are circles where you meet with strangers partially, unless it's in your own organization, but you might not know people there either. So you partner up with strangers and you work on a challenge over uh, on a personal growth plan, if you will, over a period of 12 weeks. So this is actually, and you can do that virtually as well. So this was actually on my list for this year to do anyway, um, but now even more. I think this is a great way. So first you might try that for yourself. You know, if you feel disconnected these days, go on the um, Working Out Loud uh, website, um, try to find a circle, join a circle and experience it yourself. And then think about maybe whether you can offer this or introduce it into your, in your organization to your employees. Um, all the Working Out Loud materials are open source and um, available for free on the website. So uh, thanks Katharina for spearheading that effort um, in Germany. And um, I'm certainly inspired by what you do. And thanks John Stepper for providing these resources to us. All right, are you ready for the hacks? So this was kind of, you know, one-on-one -on -one getting started. Uh, and now the advanced class begins. All right, so the first hack comes from my interview with Arides Steph Ryder. And Steph's hack is to start really individually asking yourself, what's my why? And I'm a huge fan of Simon Sinek, so I try to incorporate this, you know, what's my why, why am I doing this, um, into pretty much everything I do. So this resonates with me. Um, and the way Steph talked about it, which I thought in the context of design thinking was interesting to me. So she's like, you know, what's your why? In essence, what's sort of your North Star? And then how does that drive what you do in HR and how you apply design thinking? So for example, her why is empathy, right? So whenever she gets challenged or maybe off track, this is what she can come back to in her practice in design thinking, which of course is an empathy based method. And as I was preparing for this tell and tale session, I, I couldn't help but think about the bigger implications right now. You know, um, so one thing is to ask yourself for what's your why and then use that as a North Star, but I think it also applies to organizations as a whole, right? So especially in times of crisis, what is your why? And or do we need to reassess our why? Maybe temporarily, we need to put people before profit. Maybe temporarily, we need to put empathy before financial gain. Just throwing that out there as a, you know, because uh, the why of organizations and individually is drives our decision-making. Something to ponder. Hack number two comes from Jennifer Dewey at BASF. Um, and her hack 
is co-creation with employees. Um, and which, what resonated with her was, if we don't include employees um, in, up front, we might miss out on ideas, right? And again, thinking about the current context, this so resonates as well, right? Because it's already important, you know, on an ongoing basis, creating employee experience and an impactful employee experience. Um, and maybe right now, you know, uh, feels like the time to have more of an autocratic maybe style, right? Because things need to happen, things need to happen fast. And we might feel the need to control messaging, coordinate action, right? And I think absolutely there's a place for that. But I want to challenge you to think through what are areas where it makes sense to include your employees and your leaders in co-creating solutions to the challenges that we're facing currently, right? So for example, um, working from home. Yeah, it's on everybody's minds right now, right? Um, what about, oh, even better, um, leading remote teams effectively. Right, so I think a lot of leaders maybe are not used to uh, leading remotely and probably have a lot of questions. So how about getting their input or sourcing, crowdsourcing if you will, the questions around it, the challenges that they're facing, the fears that they're having, whatever. Um, and then also invite them to come up with solutions to them, right? And again, you know, sometimes the fear in HR is if we're involving people in ideating with us, that we set an expectation that we're gonna do all of this. No, it's, <laughs> we are all adults. So you can highlight this, you can message this, you know, we're inviting all ideas. We might not be able to implement all ideas, right? But we are acknowledging all ideas, we're assessing all ideas, right? Um, because we're in this together and only if we come up with ideas together um, can we tackle this, right? So it's all about the, the right messaging, the right communication. Um, and honestly, I don't know how you guys feel, um, but I really have the need or feel the need to work together with others to come up with solutions. Because I think many of us feel a sense of helplessness over loss of control over what's happening and um this is a, a way of empowering people and empowering them hmm, to take back a little bit of control over what's going on and i think that can be emotionally from a mental well-being perspective also a very good side benefit all right Hack number three comes from Robert Ritchie from the uh, University of Salford, my interview with him. And um, Robert's hack is storytelling. And his perspective is we all can still tell stories. And he uses storytelling to engage and connect people and to illustrate impact of actions taking, taken. Um, 
another really, really powerful tool right now to use. First of all, I want to start with not everyone might be equally comfortable or naturally a natural storyteller. For example, I'm not a natural storyteller. So this is something that I always work on um, and try to hone it. So one technique that I use is, you know, coming up sort of with a repository of stories that I can pull out and hone in certain contexts as an, you know, initial practice for me, right? And initially those, the storytelling might be very rough, you know, so maybe start practicing it in front of a mirror or maybe with your spouse, um, then in front of a smaller group that you trust. And then, you know, maybe you can use it more and more in public, right? But so the, that's one technique that I've used. Um, another powerful technique also is hmm, let others tell stories. Right. So if you worked on a project where there's a certain group of employees and they were impacted by some things, maybe collect video stories or testimonials from them and let those stories speak and explain your findings versus you voicing them over. Right. So um, there's different ways of telling stories. You can tell the story um, or you can tell the story through others who are actually the ones who are, who are experiencing it. It depends. In the context, it depends on what you're trying to convey. Okay. Hack number four is from Show Me Day. Oh, yeah, this is a fun one. So, Show Me's hack is the Batman and Robin warm up. All right. What is that? So, I, I brought my little. Um, stuffed animals here to demonstrate this so for you on the video you, you're in for a treat because you know we're all working from home so we have to like fill in the human with the whatever stuffed animal so um the batman and robin warm-up goes like this so teddy is robin cat is batman right and so robin's role is so you partner up in real life it's not stuffed animals it's people right so you partner up one is batman one is robin after one minute, you switch. And Robin's role is to bring up problems. And Batman's role is to solve the problems. And there is a bit of an improv element to this. So, you know, you'll see this is going to be very rough here. But, you know, the purpose is not to be perfect. As I said, there is an improv element. Um, it's just a warm up to a, an actual ideation activity, right? So, okay, so let's do this real quick. Hi, I'm Robin. Batman, Batman, there is no toilet paper in the stores. Okay, Robin, how about we'll have people who have too much toilet paper bring the toilet paper to a central location so others can get it. But Batman, we're not allowed to congregate right now. Okay, so maybe there's an app where people who have too much toilet paper indicate that, and then the people who don't have toilet paper can find it on the app. Okay, so obviously toilet paper is on everybody's mind. So <laughs> this is what came to mind for me. You might have other, you know, context, whatever. It, the topic doesn't matter for the warm up. You can come up with anything silly. Um, and so, as I said, this warm up I would use 
it's sort of, you know, warming people up to creativity, to ideation. So could use this before ideation. Um, as I was thinking through this, uh, actually, you could also think that use this as a warm up to prototyping. Because in a way, you know, Robin is sort of the devil's advocate and then Batman is sort of, you know, uh, evolving the, the idea. So let's say, you know, um, in a prototype, we have a prototype and then Robin sort of questions a certain feature, either because it's not usable or not feasible or not viable or not ethical, right? And then Robin and uh, Batman needs to think through how we might fix that on the prototype, right? So it could, you could also use it um, to warm up prototyping is what I'm thinking. And that brings me really to the key here. So, um, and I'm gonna add actually in the block, um, uh, other warm a link to other warm-ups. So it's called the Stoke Deck by Stanford D School. And so there's many other warm-ups or activities, icebreakers, however you wanna call it, or Stokes that you can use. And it really depends on the number of participants uh, and the purpose. Right, so do you wanna warm up to creativity? Do you wanna warm up to experimentation? Do you wanna warm up to building connection, right? So um, choose the warm up wisely depending on the activity that will follow. Um, I usually do use a little activity um, around uh, when I start a session, be it virtually or in person. Um, almost more importantly virtually because you know people are running now virtually from meeting to meeting and uh, they might still be with their minds at the previous meeting or they might be racing ahead to the next meeting so to take a break and do even and sometimes these icebreakers sound seem a little silly in the beginning but i've actually run meetings where i skipped it the icebreaker uh, to see you know what impact that had and I could for sure see that people were more distracted if I didn't do a little icebreaker in the beginning, especially a virtual meeting, especially, you know, people tend to be more distracted in virtual meetings, right? So I could see a difference between when I did do it and when I didn't do it. People brought more focus to the meeting when we did spend a little time up front, and it has to be, can be very quick, like two to three minutes, right? to get people in the right mind space to be in this meeting and do this work. And so that also brings me to the fact that um, some of these icebreakers are designed to be in person. Um, some of them can be easily done um, online as well. So if you think creatively about the Batman and Robin, normally we pair up in person. So in a virtual environment, what you could do is you could have one person start off saying the Robin thing, and then they toss it to the next person on the call, because assuming you have Zoom, you see people, right? So you say, hey, Nicole, you know, and then Nicole needs to be Batman. And then Nicole points to Peter, and Peter needs to be Robin, right? So you can kind of snowball it till you have everybody covered in that remote meeting, for example, right? So this is a way for you to be creative to adapt some of these icebreakers as well. Okay, thank, thanks, show me for that hack. Now, hack number five comes from Alice Goni, my interview with Alice uh, from Centro. And Alice, yeah, you can see post-it notes, <laughs> uses post-it notes for ideation. 
Um, and the reason she uses this is because she's seen that it democratizes idea sharing and makes it really very effective. So the way she does it is she hands out post-its to everybody and asks everybody to sort of brainstorm individually first. Then she puts the ideas, she collects the ideas, put them on a whiteboard and sort of themes them, clusters them. Um, and that, you know, she uses that um, to get ideas on the table quickly. Everybody feels included. Everybody feels like, like they have a voice. Um, you know, and it's also very efficient because instead of thinking and racking your brain about all kinds of, of ideas or solutions to a problem, in just maybe, you know, five minutes, you can do this very quickly. You'll get ideas out from your entire team, right? And again, so this was the, you know, physical post-its that she described, but again, going back to the virtual application using Miro or some of the other tools, you can do exactly this with virtual sticky notes. Thank you, Alice. And this brings us last but not least to hack number six. And hack number six is from my interview with Angela Howard. And um, Angela's hack is to create personas. Um, and she likes to use that because it helps us understand differences in experiences. So personas are usually applied in the same context as experience journey mapping. Um, and let, let me just take a pause and a step back because sometimes personas and segments are used interchangeably. So I wanna explain quickly the difference. So personas are, in, are not demographics, are not workforces. Personas are in essence archetypes of a group of people that share maybe similar behaviors, similar attitudes and so forth. Now, persona design is a complex process. It should not be taken lightly. It requires quantitative and qualitative research because if you don't do it properly, it can result in stereotyping and that's what we don't want. Most often you, people use the term persona, but really what they mean is segments. And that is a perfectly fine way to start off uh, yeah, really segmenting experiences, right? And segments in, in HR could be workforces, right? So um, call center employees versus leaders. Um, it could be new hires versus tenured hires, right? So those are segments and they might have different experiences, okay? So, um, yeah, so that's my, my note around creating personas. But yeah, it's really important that you, when you uh, do experience journey mapping, and we do um, workshops around that as well. Um, and what we do is we do start, mostly in HR, we start with the segments first, um, unless we've done, or the client has done, you know, the, the work already, or we do it with them around creating these more robust personas. Um, and then we do map the experience, any given experience, let's say the onboarding experience, um, by these segments. You might wanna prioritize certain segments because you might have hard data, for example, that um, the experience is suboptimal for certain segments, and that's how you, you know, prioritize those. Um, yeah, so that is, and so, 
by the way, also creating personas and employee journey mapping are also part of some of these uh, virtual tools. Again, in our physical workshops, um, we map it, you know, on flip charts and so forth. But again, this also can be done um, in a virtual environment. And some of these design thinking virtual tools that I mentioned before do have templates, um, you know, uh, empathy mapping, persona-based empathy mapping, experience journey mapping, um, and persona templates that you can also use. Okay, so that's it from me. Um, uh, I hope these 10 resources and hacks uh, are helpful for you in learning more about design thinking in HR or deepening your current practice. Okay, stay so safe and healthy out there. Thanks and see you next time at Telltale.